0: Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blog cast. Uh, my name is Emily, and um, I'm back. Did you miss me? I know it was a little while. Um, I had to go spend some time with my family to take care of my mom. Um, she's fine. She's good. Don't worry. Um, but uh, I was away from my mic and away from my guitar. So um, that that. I could have recorded with the crappy sound quality, but I just didn't want to do that to you. (laughs) So I'm back. I'm back in front of my mic and I'm working on uh, the song for this episode. So um, I'm recording this little bit uh, first and, you know, when I I get done here, I'm going to practice some more. And then by the time you get to the end of this episode, I will have learned the song that I'm working on for you. So. The name of this uh, blog is called Art by the Numbers, or Six Ways to Really Support Artists. Here it is, Art by the Numbers. When I stepped away from my acting career, the first arts project I got into was my folk pop band, Bright Red Boots. It was the first time I'd had to ask for people's attention, the first time I had to gather an audience. It wasn't easy, but between the four of us, we managed to pull in enough people to keep getting booked at a handful of venues. Handing out and sending postcards made me uncomfortable, but that's the way we did it, really. There were a lot of venues we couldn't play because we couldn't draw a big enough crowd, and that has been the story of my life as a generative artist ever since. When I started a theater company, the problem of bringing in an audience wasn't at the forefront of my mind at first, and also, at first, it wasn't that hard. With a fairly large company of actors and creative team, we managed to fill up our first small Brooklyn house most of the time and didn't do badly at filling up a big theater in an out-of-the-way venue during the Fringe. But as time has gone by, pulling audiences in to see anything has become more and more challenging around about the time we had to cancel two shows in Edinburgh because no one showed up, I started to dream of not having to worry about bringing in an audience. I wanted to just make things and not worry about who received them. I tried posting things on the internet, thinking this is just how we do things now, thinking that it's all just clicks and likes and maybe the digital realm will be less concerned with popularity than the time-based live performing arts can be. And, well... I discovered a kind of indifference I never thought possible. Despite the vastness of my potential audience on the internet, I generally draw just about the same numbers that I used to draw in person. Very few people give a damn about what I get up to. How few? I have two podcasts. One averages 13 listens per episode. That's the podcast you're listening to now, by the way. The other averages 15. This is almost exactly the number of people I can manage to get into a theater these days if I put on a show. This blog is definitely the most popular thing that I do because occasionally when some post is a hit, the numbers rise into triple digits briefly. Once they went up to four digits. Once. But then it goes back down to my usual six to 16 readers. Music? Hmm. I put out four albums this year and sold five. Not five per album, five total. I would probably have sold a few more, but my main supporters, my 16 Patreon patrons, got them for free as a thank you gift for their support. My songs on Spotify average 15 plays. I've written around 20 plays and probably 15 people have seen more than one of them. And I want you to know how much I appreciate those 15 people who have viewed or listened or bought or come to see my shows. Those people are my heroes. Those people know how to support the arts. They know how to support me. If you're one of the 15, I thank you. And truthfully, I know it's more than 15 altogether. It's more like 15 people at a time. The total is probably more like, I don't know, 50, 60. But I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I get very discouraged that generally only 15 people at a time care about what I do. This is why I had to write a post for myself called, no one's asking for your art. So much of the artistic world these days is valued by the numbers. The box office numbers of movies are reported like important news stories. We measure if a movie is good by how many people go to see it on opening weekend, which is absurd, by the way. The only thing those numbers are an accurate reflection of is how effective the marketing plan was. We have a 1% problem in the arts, just as we do in greater economics. There are a small handful of artists at the top with big numbers, millions of downloads, books sold, tickets sold, etc., and the rest of us limp by with our 15. Here in America, we treat popularity as if it's quality. And of course, this is a factor in our politics as well. We assume that if lots of people like a thing, then it must be good. All over New York City, taxis advertising the musical Frozen proclaim it a serious mega hit, which tells us nothing except that a lot of tickets were sold. And we also assume that if very few people like a thing, then it must not be good. And if you think we artists don't internalize that metric and make ourselves miserable, you probably don't know a lot of us artists. I have to constantly check myself on this point. When I'm disappointed that only 15 people looked at something I made, I remind myself that numbers are not a sign of quality. I remind myself that there are hundreds of thousands of white supremacist assholes. Those guys are very popular. Before his account was suspended, Milo Yiannopoulos had 300,000 followers on Twitter. Popularity has nothing to do with quality. Nothing. Not one thing. I always think about this episode of This American Life where they interviewed these conceptual artists who hired a market research firm and then made art by the numbers they received. I'm sure I've talked about this before. I am obsessed. But the deal is that they polled people about what they liked most in music and in visual art and then made pieces that were the most popular things... And the least. And the most popular song is bland and unmemorable. It's about love and features a saxophone. It sounded like everything else on the radio at the time. The least popular song is a tour de force. I think about it all the time. I get parts of it stuck in my head. The opera singer rapping cowboy lyrics over a tuba is extraordinary. It feels as though so many aspects of our lives have just been reduced to numbers, to how many clicks something gets or units sold or whatever. Even our journalism is caught up in it. Have you wondered why the New York Times has been posting so many kooky opinion pieces the way I have? Well, as Michelle Wolf pointed out, a share is a share is a share. Seriously, watch her video about this. It's illuminating and funny. We make no distinction of quality. Is this a good piece of work? A good show? A good movie? A good song? If lots of people clicked on it, it must be, right? It's the free market, right? Don't we live in a meritocracy where the cream rises to the top? We don't, sorry. And it's not even a free market. Let's take music, for example. I watched a video that made it crystal clear to me why songs become popular. Short version, it's extreme exposure coupled with audio manipulated for maximum loudness. The songs become popular not because people like them, but because executives decide to make them popular and so they are. Which, you know, that would all be fine with me if the folks making work at the other end of the spectrum weren't limping along with only 15 views or whatever. I feel like there should be room for all of us, but somehow there isn't. I have no idea what's to be done about it, but if you're wondering how to make the most difference to those who continue to make work in the face of impossible odds, I do have some suggestions. Number one, read, listen to, watch, go to people's work, even if you don't love it. The support you give now to an artist may lead to work you do love in the future. Or it may not, but your view, your click, your ticket sale, your presence will make a huge difference to someone who is used to indifference. Subscribe to their email lists, click on their links, like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Number two, respond to what you see with love, kindness, and support. Even if you don't love every aspect of what you see, Just some acknowledgement that the work's message was received means a lot. Number three, boost these folks as much as you're able. I know it's exhausting sharing stuff all the time, but know that your cheerleading for a struggling artist has a much bigger impact than cheerleading for something everyone is already talking about. Example, you loving a Marvel movie is great, But everyone's already going to superhero movies. They really don't need the boost. You're one of millions. You loving your friend's short film? You're one of 15. Be that person. That's impact. I'm not saying you shouldn't post about how much you loved Wonder Woman, but maybe compliment it with another post about an actual Wonder Woman you know. Number four. If you hate something, you don't need to say anything. Obscurity will take care of it, believe me. It'll take care of the good stuff too, unfortunately, but a share is a share is a share. You'll actually boost the thing you hate if you talk about it. Number five, if you can afford to buy their book, buy their album, buy tickets to their show, even if you don't particularly want to read the book or listen to the album or see the show. As I learned from an article, even super well-established published authors have trouble selling their books to their loved ones. If someone you know wrote a book, buy it. And give it to someone if you don't want it. Impress your friends by giving them a copy of your other friend's book. Number six, if you have some extra cash, you can go to the top level of support with something like Patreon. Helping an artist pay their rent is one of the most supportive acts of kindness. Patronage doesn't have to be big. Someone giving a dollar a month to an artist gives not only the $12 a year, but also a gesture of faith, of belief in the value of whatever that artist does. My Patreon patrons have made the things I've made in the last couple of years possible. They are why I can write these words now. If you can only do one thing, start with number one. Just watch, show up, go, listen, view. I heard about someone who sets their Spotify account on their friend's albums and then sets them to repeat all night while they're asleep. It's exponentially more valuable to an artist like me to see that someone clicked on my work than it is to Taylor Swift. She deals in millions. I deal in multiples of five. By the numbers, your share is more valuable to me. And a share is a share is a share. Am I great at this? Nope, I'm not. I'd like to be better though. I actively try. But most artists I know are better at this than others. Mostly because we know how it feels. And unfortunately, us liking each other's work doesn't always translate to the wider world. We need fans, we need cheerleaders, we need advocates. You don't have to do it for every artist you know. Maybe pick one and be that one artist's champion. It will mean more than you can possibly imagine to that person. I have a couple of people like this and I appreciate them more than I can possibly say. I'm not trying to say that only 15 people are ever interested in what I do. Sometimes I get a hit. But most of the time, 15 is the average. And I feel like I'm telling you this now because I know I am not the only one. Many of the artists I know are in a similar position, but most of us work very hard to create an illusion that our numbers are much higher than they are. We're not doing this to con anyone. We just know that human beings tend to gravitate toward popular things. To sell tickets to a show? Tell people it's selling out fast. Every theater producer knows this. Here are some reasons that people have given me for reading, watching, listening to my work. Because you'll be famous one day. Because I want you to thank me in your Oscar speech. Because I want to say I knew you when. These are all investments in a future where my numbers are so big that the person is glad they got in at the ground floor. I used to try and capitalize on this instinct, to try and project an image of I'm going places, but I find I can't get on board with this idea anymore. Not because I don't have faith in my work, but because I think possible fame in the future is a lousy reason to support artists. It is unlikely I will be famous one day. But something I do might influence someone who will be famous one day, or who is already famous. Or more important to me, something I do might contribute to the culture, might influence another artist to make something great, might inspire someone to create extraordinary things. In order to get just 15 views, sometimes we will create an aura of success, I have been known to say things like, bloggers over on WordPress love this, when three bloggers have clicked the like button. I'm not lying. Three bloggers is more than usual for me. But I also understand that I'm putting a little bit of a shine on the situation while trying to boost my views. When I began in theater, I didn't know almost everyone was bluffing. I thought everyone's career was really going great. I didn't know that theater people are always having a great year, no matter what is actually happening. I also didn't know art wasn't meritocratic yet. I didn't know how much more important process and artistic integrity would be to me than success. But I digress. I'm telling you about this because I want you to understand that even the artist who is projecting an air of cool could probably still use your support. Unless your artist friend is Beyonce, they're probably struggling to get more than 15 people's eyes or ears on each of their things. Click. Show up. Be a patron. It's good for artists. And good for art. There you have it, the numbers. Um, (laughs) Guess how many views this one got for a long time. It was like hanging out at just 15 views. (laughs) Like um, usually a a blog starts to get the most um, views once it heads over to Facebook. So when I finally posted it on Facebook, it was just like sitting there at 15 for so long. And I was like, that is so funny. It ended up topping out at like 20 six or something but I think partly because I was laughing so hard at how it tapped out at 15 for a while um anyway so yeah um (laughs) another kind of funny ironic thing about this post is I I hurried to finish it up um, because I was trying to um complete the last kind of stages on, on the lullaby album um and I thought, oh, I better get this out, you know, now, so these numbers will, you know, because my numbers are probably going to go up when I put this album out, and I and I won't. I'll have to say I sold more albums than I than. But here's what's funny: I put it out. I put it on my website. I'm just selling it on my website right now um, because I want to be able to donate. Some monies to the Women's Refugee Commission. <clears throat> anyway, so I put I you know I put out on my Facebook that you know I'm selling th- this lullaby album. It's out, and uh, and not one single person bought it. <laughs> like not one, not one, not one person. Um, so yeah, the numbers didn't actually. Uh, there were a few more clicks than 15, at least. Um, but I, they may have all been the same person. It's hard to tell from the stats in my. Um, Mini stats collection thingy, um, and that, uh, that platform. Anyway, it's funny because, um, that is seriously why I thought I should finish this up because I was like, Oh, these numbers are going to go up. They, they did not have no fear. Um, also if you're interested in the Lullaby album, I am going to put it out on, um, Spotify and all the various digital platforms as well. I just have not done it yet. um, partly because it costs money. And um, yeah, I was hoping to, to generate a little bit of stuff over on my website first. Um, but you know, it has not happened. Uh, if you want to look at that, my website is emilyrainbowdavis.com and the lullabies are under the music tab. So shock me, surprise me if you like. Um, yeah, but they, it's coming to the other platforms. So have no fear. Um what else do I want to tell you? So, the song here, um oh, first of all, there's a podcast episode that I should recommend to you since I haven't been recommending so many podcasts lately, but um the podcast episode that I reference in this um blog is on this American life and it's a really early episode of this American life. I want to say it's like number 100 and something. Like it's early early. Um and I think it's called Numbers. So check it out. And you can, uh, I think there's links to the song, which is so delightful. And I had part of that song in my head the last couple of weeks because one of the parts of the song is where this children's choir is singing about Labor Day. And I get it in my head every Labor Day mm-hmm. and the days prior to Labor Day. Labor Day, it's Labor Day. Stores, no, schools are closed and stores are open. Labor Day. Anyway, it's, it's hilarious. Um, So enjoy that if you find it. Um, It it is like 19 minutes long, the song. So there's, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to absorb. (laughs) And the song for today. So I was like looking, I was trying to find songs about numbers and literally the only one that I could really think of um, is a Paul Simon song called when numbers get serious. Um, and I was, but I was looking around for some other choices. Um, and I, and I, if there's like specific number songs, like you can, you can enjoy a Hey 19 or a, any kind of age related song. Um, but like about numbers specifically, like sort of in a more general sense, not so much, at least that I could find. So if you have one, let me know, because I'd just be curious. Um, so I've had to kind of um, work on, learn here a little bit of Paul Simon's When Numbers Get Serious. Um, it's coming along. By the time you hear this, I will have, I will have recorded it. Um, but I'm recording this before I record the song. Uh, so, and uh, I know that I'm going to leave off the little coda of the song. So if you miss it, I'm sorry. But it just, I just it's not for me, the coda. Anyway, but I do enjoy this song. It is—it's it, charming in its oddness. And um, so here is when numbers get serious. I have a number in my head, though I don't know why it's there. When numbers get serious, you see their shape everywhere, dividing and multiplying exchanging with ease when times are mysterious serious numbers are eager to please take my address take my phone no call me if you can here's my address here's my phone no please don't give it to some man. complicated life Numbers swirling thick and curious You can cut them with a knife You can cut them with a knife Two times two is twenty-two Four times four is forty-four When numbers get serious they leave a mark on your door Urgent, urgent, to telephone Ring in a hallway When times are mysterious Serious numbers Will speak to us always That is why a man with numbers can Set your mind at ease got numbers by the trillions here and overseas oh oh. Hey, hey look at that stink about japan all those numbers waiting patiently don't you understand don't you understand Wrap me, wrap me, wrap me do In the shelter of your arms I am ever your volunteer I won't do you any harm I will love you innumerably You can count on my word When times are mysterious Serious numbers will always be heard When times are mysterious Mysterious Serious numbers Will always